Hi, this is Wade Emmert, chairman of the Dallas County Republican Party. I'm not upset at all that the 2016 Republican National Convention is going to Cleveland rather than Dallas. If you have to take LeBron James to get the convention, they can have it. And now, the TripCast with host Reeve Hamilton, who I hear has a lot of support to be the next chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. Thank you for that trial balloon to nowhere. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the TribCast for the third week of August. I am joined by executive editor Ross Ramsey. Forgot my name for a minute there, didn't oh, I forgot you? your title. Huh. It doesn't Re- matter. Reporter Jay Root. Hello. And reporter Terry Lankford. Hi. And uh, some things have happened since our last podcast. You know, it's been... A few. I would say a fairly eventful week. So maybe we should just dive right into it. Can someone take us back to the beginning of the whole saga of Rick Perry's indictment? He was indicted on Friday. Well, I'll I'll just tell you what happened to me on Friday. Well, we're mostly interested in what happened to Rick Perry. (laughs) But But yes, it involved Rick. It involved Rick. (laughs) Well, we, we heard we were hearing rumors that there may be some kind of indictment going down. And so we sent an intern. Galad Edelman over to the uh, to the courthouse to stake it out. It was like an old fashioned press stakeout, and his battery started running down. And so Emily Ramshaw, the editor of the Texas Tribune, said, "Jay, you better go over there." And then halfway over there, she said, "You better start running." And so I ran over there, and five minutes later, Emily is a really tough boss. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, she stop walking, no walking. Yeah, she likes to no run walking. us in the no afternoons. More <laughs> We're doing two a days in the summer. <laughs> But uh, and then five minutes later, Michael McCrum uh, announced that James Richard Perry, who it, it, that confused some of the interns because they were like, "Wait, who's that? Is that Rick Perry?" Uh, had been indicted on two counts, um, and this stems from his veto, of course, uh, and the threat of a veto, which he carried through, uh, of the funds that go to Rosemary Lindbergh's office, the DA of Travis County, the Public Integrity Unit, which is charged with public corruption cases here in the state capitol um and there was an investigation a grand jury returned to felony indictments uh and here we are we've had now a booking a mugshot fingerprints ice cream afterwards at sandy's on barton springs uh and here we are we got an arraignment uh coming up and who knows if we'll go to trial and so what exactly is he charged with? This is something that people outside the bubble have really struggled to understand. And I think people inside the bubble have sort of struggled to understand it as well. But what, what exactly are they saying that he did wrong? The charges, the official charges are abuse of official capacity and coercion of a public servant. Um, and basically that he used something of value, and presumably these are state funds, to hold that over Rosemary Lindbergh's head and to try to make her resign. Now, I think the word of caution here is that, um, and, and Ross pointed this out recently in the newsroom, that uh, the, these indictments have been criticized for being thin and incomplete, that there's not much in them. 
but and Ross, you may want to talk about this about the fact that in the past there have been indictments that had to be people had to be re-indicted because there was too much in them, right? Yeah, K. Bailey Hutchison's indictments were sort of famous for this. There were you know several points in those. I um, I don't remember the the number. But the indictments were faulty. They had some detail problems with them, and they got the first set of indictments thrown out. She had to be re-indicted. They had to go back to the grand jury and say, do it with this language. All really this indictment says is that on these dates or between these dates, Rick Perry broke this law and broke that law. It doesn't really – and actually what's sort of missing from this right now is some kind of narrative version of what the prosecution – thinks went down here. They say that, you know, a lot of this has been filled in by speculation and everything. A lot of the speculation is based on the original complaint by the Texans for Public Justice Group, and, and which is a liberal group that um, complained about this actually right before the veto. So they were complaining about the threat rather than the veto itself. Well, that's an important point that right. I think sort of so, so there's lost. a lot of there's a lot of sort of guessing going on. Uh, the Houston Chronicle talked to some of the grand jurors. One of the grand jurors had um, a line that was basically, you know, if the facts of this come out, public opinion about it will change. So, you know, we're left with, you know, we have a story on Perry's side. We have a uh, drunken DA misbehaving that's gone on a viral tape. Um, it's hard to find anybody who would disagree with the idea from Perry that, you know, maybe she shouldn't be in office. Maybe this shouldn't be the district attorney prosecuting, among other things, DWI cases. So there's that, and that's a pretty strong argument for Perry. He's got a narrative line. He's got this, you know, um, his first defense is a veto is legal. Nobody would want her to stay in office. I didn't do anything wrong here. And there's no counter story to that. It may turn out that there's no counter story to that at all, but we haven't heard the prosecutor offer one. But he also, he keeps saying, or like he said yesterday before he got booked, uh, you know, I would do the veto all over again. But I think what that sort of... Neither here nor there, which is – it's a good line, but the complaint was not about the veto and the sort of the veto – no one disagrees that the veto was a legal thing to do, which I think is one of the confusing things about the case. The, the PR battle, I think – Rick Perry has won the initial PR battle. I mean they've tried to make this a – a battle between him and Rosemary Lindbergh, and you're going you're gonna to go with Rick Perry on that one. I mean, there there aren't his any... mugshot is a lot better than her mugshot. <laughs> there aren't enough adjectives to describe how horrific that video. Horrific is good. Uh, scandalous. I mean, it is just absolutely scandalous. It is terrible. He's, he's doing this without a thesaurus, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, so and and they put that when the lawyers came out. You know, they had this projector and we thought there was going to be some kind of maybe statutes put up there but no it was once again <laughs> rosemary Lindbergh. Well, can't, they can't show it enough so. rick pack the new political action committee that's sort of aiding his presidential ambitions put out a pretty long ad going through her whole history with a lot of very entertaining video of her stumbling around in the i mean there's no question that he is playing really well to social media that he's playing really well for a new generation of news consumers that that just want the instant quick vid story off of YouTube, and he's doing it well. The thing is, the the criticism there's sort of this social anxiety and instant punditry right now that that says we got to have all the answers right now. Well, hey, you know, guess what? That's what a trial's for. And I I, I guess my frustration is from covering trials for so many years that you see an indictment, they're always thin. I, you know, to me, this is a bare bones of the case. They're not supposed to try it in paperwork. They're supposed to say, 
we found evidence. Here's what we think was committed. And, you know, we're done. You know, we're out of here. And that's, you know, the real story will come out in the first hearings, discovery and that. But this anxiety that we have to know everything, we have to make a decision right or wrong. I mean, it just... It's kind of ludicrous to me. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned on that. Well, you know, he's also doing, you know, one of the oldest things in criminal law or civil law, for that matter, is try to win the hearts and minds of the people who might someday be jurors. Exactly. Right. You know, he's he's inoculating them really. I mean, he's just saying, here's here's my story and it's out there. And he can do that. Right. You know, um, but, yeah, it's going to take a while before, the you know, we hear the prosecution's case. I, I thought it was fascinating. I was standing next to a reporter yesterday, and he said, you know, I've never been. This is my first booking rally. I mean, you think about it. It's like <laughs> they held a rally, rally for his booking. And, you know, usually you're slipping in the back door or you're trying to av- avoid the media. And there was this paranoia on, on the part of the media. We were paranoid. Everybody was paranoid that we were going to miss this because we, we kept thinking – they were going to go through the back door. And no, they went through the front door. And not only did they go through the front door, they had a podium set up and a bank of news cameras waiting when they for they sent it. out a advance notice. Like, yeah. Hey, and here's where we're going to be. And that's really new. I don't, I've never, I mean, I've never, seen I've it. never seen that. I don't, I don't think anybody's ever well, done isn't, that. that. Isn't I there know. a hope that he can raise money off of this? I think thing? they are going to raise money off of it. And I think that initially, again, initially, you have to think though that, um, this is sort of diminishing returns for Rick Perry because right now he's got about as many people standing with him as probably will unless he gets a if he gets a quick acquittal uh, and he's entirely completely 100% exonerated then this will fuel him this will be great for him it'll be in some, on a national level what um, the indictment or, or the the failed prosecution of Kay Bailey Hutchison did for her early in her career. Um, it's it, it'll be dynamite for him. But it, but if there if there's something that comes out that disrupts that narrative, all this buildup is going to actually be worse because then it then you fall harder. And see, I think they're looking really hard at what what has happened to Chris Christie because this is coming out in drips and drabs. It's not clean. They didn't get ahead of it. They were they were denying anything happened. Then things kept leaking out, and it just got one landmine after another for Christie. And I think you look at that and you're like, we're going to get ahead of this wave and we're going to try to stay ahead of the story and direct it as far as we can. And that, I think they're doing brilliantly at it. But if it drags on, you know, in, in, in a couple of years, how much of a weight is this on his presidential ambitions? Well, if it if he doesn't get this resolved, if he's still got the word indictment in his in the first sentence of his bio when people start voting for president – then the argument from the other candidates is going to be something like, you know, I think Rick Perry got a raw deal here, but we shouldn't send somebody with a cloud over their head into the nomination. And I, I think that's a really hard sell. It's also going to be a really hard sell to finance people in the early part of the primary. You know, he's already – he starts last week at this time. The question over Perry was, okay, so you think you can do this again? You think there's a second chance? Walk me through that. That's, you know, the first thing from an activist or a voter or a finance person. Now it's um, – so tell me about this indictment thing. And if that's pending, you know, in 16 or 17 months when New Hampshire and Iowa voting actually starts, uh, I think that's crippling. He's got to – look, he's got to run the table legally. He really does. If if he doesn't um, – if he gets caught up in, in this and, you know, like, you know, either he's on the stand or, or sort of one of his aides on the stand saying something that isn't just great for him – 
I, it's this is a cancer on his presidential run unless unless he just clears it up really quickly. Although the other side, you know, the side that's sort of not too inclined to support Perry hasn't expressed ton. They've expressed sort of mild excitement about the indictment. There's you usually get a lot of, oh, he's been indicted, but we're not sure about this thing. Like, do you see the New York Times editorial on him? which was sort of defending him against the indictment, also called him, like, the worst leader of a state in the country ever or something. I mean, it was, like, really yeah. over the top. There, there's a large – there's always a gap between state and local versus national. I think that gap is larger in this case than, it had, than I've seen in quite a while. Compare, for example, the Dallas Morning News editorial – that said that this was, I, I think, a, a, a dark mark or something like that, a dark mark on a gubernatorial tenure that went on too long, something I'm paraphrasing. And and then this uh, uh, New York Times editorial, USA Today editorial, there's really a, a big chasm here between what the way national media is perceiving this and the way Texas media is perceiving it. And I think at some point when more information is able to be absorbed and what Terry was saying, like, you know, we can't get beyond sort of these social media little, you know, mini bites at a time. But as the secret angle, the cancer research angle comes out where, you know, there was supposedly maybe a motive for Perry to get rid of Rosemary Lindbergh, um, when when some that, can you connect those dots a little bit? Well, uh, you know, and I, I don't know that the, the the dots are connected. It's just that that's certainly the Democrats are are very excited. They they believe that there's some tie that there was a, a, an ongoing investigation of the uh, Cancer Research uh, Institute Prevention and Research Institute, um, and uh, that there were. There was a company that uh, was connected to a Perry donor um, and, and I think an Abbott donor as well who got, got allegedly got special treatment or, you know, the, the, the protocols were not adhered to in the awarding of this grant. There's been an indictment in that case. Now, on the other side, Rosemary Lindbergh said at the time that, you know, she made it clear that, that uh, Perry appointees were not, uh, you know, under the microscope or had not been... Uh, we're not under investigation at that point, but but is there going? You know, could there be some memo or an email or a conversation? Will somebody maybe make some? We don't know. We don't know what this prosecution prosecution is going to look like. So, um, I, you know, I think Terry made a good point. We're just going to have to wait. I know. You know, I know we, we hate, hate to that. wait, but I hate uh, that. You, know, you know, it drives everybody crazy. But I mean, and it's going to get messy, and that's going to be another thing. This is going to be very complicated, very legal from from here on out as it plays through the courts. That, as Jay said, these are very hard um, statutes. You can't make a good soundbite around the two charges. It it takes us what three sentences to actually explain it in a nut graph. Um, and there's going to be hearings and there's going to be – I mean, and that's when we're going to see the media go away. We're going to see everyone go away and not attend and listen to this thing as it goes. But it is going to get more complicated. And let's remember, I mean, there's a lot of trashing of the grand jurors right now um, about, you know, their um, sensibilities politically or what have you. But they were sitting, you know, this is not like a jury. This is, these are a group of people who are able to look over documents and spend months looking at a case. And they can request things. They, they're listening to somewhat 40 witnesses who, who, who were called in. I mean, 
we don't even know who those people are because the witness list isn't uh, released. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to get complicated. And, and I think for Perry, it's going to get a lot more complicated. It's not going to be as easy as flashing up Rosemary's video every day. But right now, while the, you know, that's that old rule in politics, you know, if you're explaining, you're losing. And right now, right. Perry doesn't have to explain anything. He just says, look at this video. Right. The other side hasn't said anything. So right. who's winning the PR fight? Right. Well, and they, they do seem to be trying to frame this sort of as Lemberg's revenge, right? But I think she deliberately took herself out of this process. So I'm assuming with McCrum there as the special prosecutor, can you really say that it's a politically motivated attack on Perry? You can say that. You know, you know I'm certainly. I mean, and they are saying that. And, you know, the, can, you the know, argument here is that this is a liberal county and this county has, you know, something of a history. You know, the two sort of tent poles in this are the K. Bailey Hutchison prosecution and the Tom DeLay prosecution, that this county, this liberal county, has a history of going after Republican stars. And here they are going after another Republican star, whether it's by the same mechanism as before or not. I mean, it, Rosemary wasn't the DA in those two cases. Um, her um, Ronnie Earl was. She was a deputy to him, but Ronnie Earl was the, the DA in those cases. In this case, you have both the Travis County DA and the Travis County judge who would have had the case stepping out of it. You had all the Travis County mm-hmm. judges stepping out of this. Right. This is why this went to a special visiting judge out of Bear County. It's it I think especially on the national level we keep seeing, you right. know, how can she indict him? She? You know, I mean, Rosemary didn't do it. I mean, she's right. not on the indicting end or any any part of this. It's all coming from a Republican judge who appointed someone who's Given to both sides. I and, mean, and also appointed the grand jury, right? Right. So this isn't a grand jury that is out of the regular tra- tra- uh, Travis County pool. This is a grand jury that is it? Was, I think it, this grand jury was right. assembled for this case, right? And wasn't assembled in what you know what they call the buddy system or the right. Lisa the commissioner had a system. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, about that's right. how that's that, right. that it was not the pick a pal as they call it, right? Right. System. The it key was, man system. Yeah. yeah right. It was picked from a regular jury pool. So. You know, but that's the argument, and that's going to be the argument, you know, frankly, in any political prosecution, and sometimes it's right. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, you come out and you say this was a political prosecution, and, you know, when the facts are all out, you go, yeah, I think they, maybe that one was. Um, sometimes they come out and they say this is a political prosecution, and, you know, you end up with, you know, Blagojevich in jail. I mean, you know, it just you don't know how it's going to land. Uh, since Jay mentioned Abbott a few minutes ago, I mean, it, does this bleed into the gubernatorial race for uh, I think, that we're experiencing yeah, right now? Yeah, I, I think it does. I mean, number one, I, th- I think in the short term, it's been sort of bad for Wendy Davis, honestly, because Wendy Davis recently released a, a scorching uh, television ad that uh, tied Greg Abbott and his record on the Supreme Court to a sexual assault that uh, the woman who was sexually assaulted sued and Abbott sided with the corporation against the the victim. And so she's she's made a a lot of hay out of that and and had a pretty good run with it, really. I mean, it, it got a lot of attention. The ad itself got a lot of hits. It sort of went viral. And that's just gone. I mean, nobody's talking about that anymore. I mean, I, we're, we're getting all these press releases, and, um, you know, nobody's really had – every reporter that would normally cover the governor's race is now back to covering the governor. Um, and uh, so there's that. But I think longer term, Abbott has a hot potato on his hands, which is the le- the question of the of the legal fees. 
um, and he's been asked to rule on whether or not the state is supposed to pay for this. Um, and so we're expecting that ruling. So that could that could go on him. And also, obviously, Abbott's favored to win. So um, if he does win and becomes a governor, I mean, I have a hard time thinking this is going to be resolved before Perry leaves office. So this could be something that could be around for a while. Does but. he have to rule on that, on that question? I mean, I know he's been asked whether the state should or has to pay for these attorneys. But does he even have to answer that question? I think that when... I think the short answer is that, well, I don't know that if he absolutely has to, but traditionally when a member asks, when a member of the legislature asks for an opinion, they give one, and Joe Deshotel has asked, and I assume that they will answer that. Now, will it be a real answer, or will it be a punt? Like, you know, we don't have anything to do with this. I mean, you know. Right. I mean, you're thinking if you're Abbott, you want to try to somehow get some distance from this. I thought Abbott has called this a bizarre prosecution, but he has not. I mean, uh, Ted Cruz uh, was like, I stand with Rick Perry. John Cornyn, I stand with Rick Perry. Abbott's quote that that I saw was, I'm not sure what to think of it. And Davis (laughs) stayed out of this one. I was sort of surprised that the the Davis campaign didn't pounce here. I was surprised by that well they're really they're sticking with the uh the, the narrative the sexual, that they were going the, with, right, with on the that sexual end. assault narrative yeah, she was and it's visiting like, uh yeah. rape centers right right and 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 again she was getting a lot of press for that and 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 you know i, I maybe they've gotten some of that locally but th- this has really sucked the oxygen out of the political tank i mean for sure this is just this is blanket coverage and state local and national and how long does that last how long before people sort of I, th- I think return that, to Wendy and Greg. I think it's winding down, unless yeah. the, un, unless and until the story changes. Something we get something new. You know, the prosecution says what they're doing. The lawyers file briefs that argue whatever they argue. You know, until you know, we've sort of squeezed this part of the lemon. Well, I think we, we got we got Perry in New Hampshire. Then we've got we've got the arraignment. And then I think he's not going to the arraignment. And I, no, I, that's my understanding. And then I think that no, he, he's not. I, then I think we'll have like a lull, right? And then there'll be the first but, hearing. Level. Yeah, we'll have the first hearings. We'll have, you know, uh, there'll be a lot of sort of um, housekeeping hearings. They're rather tedious and boring, but just setting schedules, you know, um, how how long do you need and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's going to be a lot of back and forth, um, you know, briefs and whatnot. whatnot. So, um we got a long haul if this isn't settled quickly. We didn't mention the um, – he's got quite a bevy of table-pounding lawyers here. <laughs> you know, Tony Busby in front. Who's it, a, it was one of his most recent appointees. This is like legal all-stars. Right. I mean, you know? You know, it's one of those things, I guess, if you're, a, if you're a high public official, you know, whether you're being – whether you have state funds or campaign funds, you're – you got a pretty good purse. You can, you know, put together the OJ defense. Here, I think right? he's got five million dollars in his state right. governor account. So Tony Busby, know. who's a trial they're lawyer, get, they're going to get paid. A and M regent <laughs> Ben Ginsburg, who's a really well-known Republican uh, campaign finance lawyer. He was one of the guys in the middle of the Bush v. Gore suit. Um, Tom Phillips, who's a former chief justice of the Texas Supreme Court, um, the lawyer who had this through the grand jury, who I guess now is sitting in the David backseat. Botsford. Right. And I'm figuring that, you know, Bobby I'm, I'm Birchfield, doing a Perry a, here, sort of a campaign finance lawyer. Right. Uh, I think sued McCain, Feingold over that. And a competitor was, of Ginsburg's in Washington. Now they're on the same team. And was successful at um, some of these uh, limiting 
these suits that overturn federal limits on campaign finance. Um, right. But this is, yeah, this is an all-star legal team, and... It's not JV. No. Well, this is what... Is that, a, is, is that a well, sign of strength or a demonstration this of is, sort of nervousness? This is how Kay Bailey Hutchison did this. This is how Tom DeLay did this. You know, you put together a really good team of lawyers, and, and, a, and it really is, you know, in some ways it's an expression of, you know, A... You have the money to get that kind of legal talent. B, all the lights are on, all the cameras are on, and that kind of legal talent is attracted to those like moths. And, you know, it's a big public case. This is a, you know, this is a case that, you know, a, a lawyer wants to be involved in, A, and that can make a lawyer's career or at least generate business for a couple of years. <laughs> well, you know, what's amazing, too, is – is uh Rick Perry has been pretty colorful throughout his career. We obviously we, the oops moment was huge. Now we have this, and I think now I, th- I think it's pretty clear that even after he leaves office, Rick Perry is going to continue to make a lot of news for us. Well, it's funny that the guy leaving the Texas political field in the middle of an election with all of these state people running for governor and lieutenant governor and everything that the most interesting guy is the one on the way out the door, not one of the ones coming in. I mean, do you are you sort of surprised that this is the way he's he's going out? You know, he's done been there for fourteen years. He's had all sorts of people have tried to drum up scandals about you know the enterprise fund and who gets that money, and there's all this back and forth. And then it's sort of he makes this one little threat on his way out the door, and that's sort threat. of the uh, you know the 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 whole crony capitalism thing has been a feature at least since 2006. I don't think they called it crony capitalism, but the there was the Trans Texas Corridor. Um, mm-hmm. 06 Perry was at at the bottom. He he won with 39 percent of the vote, um, and um, you know I've I've talked to some Perry people and they were really worried. You know if, if Kay Bailey Hutchison had challenged him in 06, she might be governor today. Right. Could have had to be. Uh, and then and then obviously in 2010, you know she raised the crony capitalism charge at connecting him to donor scandals or whatever. And so yeah, in a way, the, you know the fact that it was over some veto of you know, and a threat to a veto, and it more like over a unit that no one, uh, very few people outside of Austin right. really understand how it works. But more over like bullying, yeah. bullying yeah. instead of like some kind of donor thing is is, right. is a little surprising. I mean, I, I think that people would have thought if there were going to be a scandal, it would be that. Also, though, I do think, and I know this really took the Perry people by surprise. I mean, they weren't, they didn't see this coming. They didn't see this. Coming. They didn't see it coming on Friday, or they didn't see it coming when the complaint came. Or the, I just don't think they saw this kind of, you know, an, uh, like some two I, felony count indictment coming. I mean, it, it it pretty it took them by surprise. I I also would like to point out that at the rally, that this this supposed grassroots rally, I was surprised there there weren't a whole lot of grassroots there. It looked to me a lot more like it was current and former aides. Yeah. Did you not? Did, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. You know, and, and one thing that's sort of it, – it, it's interesting that it's kind of in the shadow of all this. It's extraordinary to indict a governor in Texas. It's not unusual in Illinois, right. but it's – you know, it's extraordinary in Texas. Well, we almost made it and, a full century, and now we just – we were so yeah, close. So yeah. close to the record, right? Yeah, yeah. In the 100 years without an incident, right? Well, you know, we have know, to wipe that board clean. Preston right. Smith was an unindicted right. co-conspirator very, very close, right. in the Sharpstown, Sharpstown scandal. Right. So there, you, did, you did same. have that. <laughs> Unind- no, unindicted. Well, the same as we've right. had a, we've had several speakers that got indicted. Of well, we've had other public officials. Yeah. We had you know we've had two attorneys general. One of them went to federal prison. We had a state treasurer in Hutchison. We had you know uh, 
sitting U.S. House Majority Leader in delay. Um, Billy Clayton went up on federal charges. Gib Lewis went up on state charges. Gus Butcher went up on state charges right. and then was convicted on federal charges. It, you know, I mean, there's a history of you – know, That's a we great got, Texas we, Monthly cover. Get all them we, together. We got all our crimes here. But, you know, but a governor is really kind of an extraordinary thing. And a governor whose foot's already out the door, it's just – it's peculiar. And what was it that Paul Ferguson got indicted for in 1917? It was cutting, a, it was a, cutting it, partial funding it, for it UT. Involved, it involved a veto, didn't it? Of, it involved yes. a veto of some funding for the University of Texas. And, you know, they were also accusing him of selling pardons. And, and then I guess that trailed uh, Ma Ferguson into office. Uh, those, them was the days. Well, I think, you know, from a legal perspective, um, I, I think that, um, you do have to say that on the one hand, it looks crazy that you would indict somebody over a veto. But on the other hand, obviously, you can't do anything with your government power. You couldn't say, you know, just because you have the power to do something doesn't mean you couldn't abuse that authority. It's just that we haven't seen that case laid out. And so in the meantime, uh, the 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 uh, Republicans say it's all it's meeting. There's nothing to it, and the Democrats are talking about a lot of things that we don't know whether or not they come into play. Well, and I also don't I don't know if he did, but it does seem that the case that uh, a law could be sort of maybe questionable or poorly worded or badly written, but and you could still break it. It's also, right. you know, it just seems so ironic. You have a state where the governor's position is notoriously one of the weakest, and yet it's this overuse of authority that gets indicted. It's just kind of, but I is, don't know. Is it the weakest now I, that he's yeah, been there so long? You know, I, I, I've first of all, they enhanced his powers. They have enhanced those powers over the years, and I've always, I've always thought that was an overrated idea because for one thing the veto is a very good example you know the last time Mm -hmm. we had a veto override 1979 i mean there's almost unheard of because by the you have these you know sessions every two years and by the time you get to the veto period it's too late you can't you know the set it's the session's over you can't overturn it so you basically can say no to anything you want and uh, you know they what they say is that he overplayed his hand there Hmm. well if uh if you have any questions or comments or would like to get some, some of your hands on Perry's power enhancements, then you can email tribcast at texastribune.org. I'd like to uh, thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music, as always. And uh, on behalf of Jay, Ross, Terry, and our producer, Todd, this is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Texas Let me, let me tell you something. You can say what you want about Rick Perry. He has been good to the news business.